Emmanuel, thank you, choir. Anybody heard any good news lately? I mean, what's the best news you've ever heard? Think about it. It's all kind of news out there, a lot of people celebrating all the time. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's a good test report from your doctor. Maybe you just scored it big on a final and you're going to graduate. Or maybe it's your kids. You know, the older I get, I find a lot of joy and satisfaction in my kids kind of like doing well, you know? Well, maybe the news is kind of good news, bad news. Uh, maybe it's, uh, I'm glad to be a Michigan fan today, or uh, whatever team you root for. There's always another side. Maybe it's the vaccine. But what's the best news truly you have ever heard I can tell you it's this right here before us today in Luke 2.10. Behold, I have got tremendous news of great joy for you, said the heavenly host. Tremendous joy. Listen to these words in scripture we find here in Luke's gospel chapter 2. And it says, nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. And the Lord's angels spoke before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city, and he is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God, and they said, glory to God in the heavens and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels returned to the heavens and the angels said to each other, let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's going on. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. And they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. And everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. And the shepherds returned home glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. This frankly must have been a sight to behold. And I've been in that place they call Shepherd's Field. And you could just kind of get the image here in your mind as a rolling kind of hill. And here this uh, lowly crew of shepherds all decked out in what looks to be like a bathrobe, huddled up around a fire. And out of nowhere, this, this cosmic stereo that suddenly comes forth. And it's a heavenly host. Now, in this Greek language here, we're talking about it's 10,000 by 10,000. I mean, they're too numerous to count. As this heavenly host suddenly presents himself like stars in the sky. And they're presenting it to the lowlifes of the day. 
I kid you not, these were the people back in the first century that were not really looked upon as the best. These were the folks that were not able to go to the synagogue routinely. These were the ones that were, could not really stay with a ceremonial cleansing and washing, and they were looked down upon and, in fact, ignored by the religious establishment of the day. And yet, these are the very ones to which the message is delivered. Of course, it's not just delivered to them, but it's delivered to all people. But they reported in the minds of people to be the chief sinners of the day hear this glorious message Tremendous news. I've got great joy for you today. And you talk about shock and awe. This lively crew here huddled around a fire. Suddenly, they are amazed, and it creates this urgency, and they're nudging one another and saying, we got to go check this out. We've never seen anything like this before. And they go, the Bible says, to confirm what they have just heard. Now, why do you suppose, in fact, that Jesus was sent to earth in the first place some 2,000 years ago? Well, as you know, God never does anything without a reason. He has a plan and a purpose for everything. And as we look around at our surroundings, this planet, and we kind of investigate the sciences and, and so forth, we realize there, there's really a reason for everything. Everything under the sun, every rock, every tree, every plant, every animal, every human being has a purpose. And he says here, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. And notice it says, it's to you. It's for your benefit. The whole purpose of Christmas is for your benefit. So I want to give you some rationale today, some reasons that we can take from the scripture today for why we're even celebrating, why Christmas even matters, and why God did this in the first place. And the number one thing that pops out here from God's word is the fact that Jesus came to reveal God's identity. In other words, Jesus came to tell us what God is really like. Now, I think we all have to acknowledge there's a lot of crazy ideas floating around out there about what God is like. I mean, every time you read a blog or a, hear a podcast, the crazy things that people actually believe and the things they say, it's getting nuttier and nuttier all the time. People say, well, I think God is kind of like this, or my idea of a divine being is like this. But, you know, frankly, it doesn't matter what your idea is. What matters is what God is really like, and that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to show us what God is really like. Now, some people think and have this concept of God like God is this incredible Mr. Bean type of guy. Or an older version of George Burns. I mean, he's kind of this harmless, feeble guy, and he may be strict and stringent, but he doesn't have a lick of strength to do anything. And other people think he's kind of like a Star Wars god, this incredible force. May the force be with you, this energizer kind of divine being. Some people think God's like an angry 
judge just out to get them, some cosmic type of sheriff, some sheriff that wants to give you COVID or wants to make bad things happen in your life if you don't follow what I say. Some people believe that, that God's mad at them, but I'm going to tell you God is not mad at you, but God is mad about you. And that's what we find here at Christmas. That's why he came to earth to show us what God is really like. He came to reveal to us the identity of God. Now, as you know, there's a lot of things we can know about God. And believe me, a lot of people know about God. They just don't know God. But as we discover, as we learn, as we live, as we investigate this planet, as we understand life, we realize that God likes variety. We have a God, friends, who has overdosed on variety. I mean, just look around. Different plants, flowers, animals, colors, sights, sounds, tastes. It is amazing. God overdoses on variety. No two snowflakes are alike. No two people are alike. Everybody's got different retina patterns and so forth. We know that God is powerful and great. And just look at the vastness of the universe. In fact, the Bible tells us that God holds the universe between his finger and his thumb. In other words, it's tiny compared to the greatness and the magnitude, the magnitude of the omnipotence of God. We also know that God is not only one of variety, but God is highly organized. They tell us all the time, the sciences discover about the ecosystem and we know how everything fits together in this systematic kind of world. Everything has a part. Even the infinitesimal things that we don't think mounts to a hill of beans, somehow it's interwoven and it has a purpose. It interlocks. Things that we don't know the purpose for, God knows the purpose for. God is highly organized. But you know also, there are some things about God that we never would ever know if Jesus hadn't come. For example, the Bible says God is love. Now, we wouldn't know anything about that just deducing from the physical realm that we see. But God tells us he loves us, and not only that, he demonstrates it by sending his very own son to us. In fact, this is how much God loves us, that he was willing to sacrifice his son. His son, Jesus, died for us. The Bible also tells us that we are to call God Father. Now, what other religion says that? This is a startling thing. No other religion has ever said, well, you can call God Father. We pray our Father who art in heaven. Through Jesus coming, we find out that Jesus is caring, he's compassionate, that we are serving a God that's very capable and close and competent. And these are the things we know about God because Jesus came in that first Christmas to reveal God's identity to us. Now, there's confusion out there. Let's make no doubt about that. God, you know, uh, is out there and... No one's really ever seen God. It's like the old story of the little boy who's drawing this picture in class, and the teacher said, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she said, nobody's ever seen God. How are you going to draw a picture of God? Well, they will know what God looks like when I get done. But the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. But friends, we have reversed that in our day. 
We want to make it rather, this is the Lord the day has made. This is the culture that we live in. It's the society that is operating now around us. God has made us in his image, and now we are trying to make him in our image. But the real God is the God we see in the scripture. Now that famous chapter out of the Bible that we read oftentimes, this time of the year is John chapter 1. And here's a verse in verse 18 that ought to wake you up. It says, no one has ever seen God, but his only son who himself is God is near to the father's heart and he has told us about him. At Christmas time, God is revealing himself to us, identifying himself in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to make God visible, to correct all the false ideas we have about God, to correct all the false assumption, all the bad myths, the human logic, the stereotypes, to make all those things go away and to tell us what God is really like, and that's the miracle of Christmas. A second reason that God sent his son Jesus and that we have Christmas is that Jesus came to relate God's word to us. Not only to reveal to us what God is like, but to relate God's word to us. Jesus came to communicate a message. In fact, Jesus is a message. And we know in the scripture, John 18, Jesus said, It is for this reason that I was born and that I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus came at Christmas to testify to the truth. Now, notice the word truth. I came to testify to the truth. Now, nowadays, I mean, who here can say they can get on the internet and tell you exactly the facts? I mean the fact-checking, the truth-finding things that they do after the presidential elections is almost a thing of the past. Because now every day people can get on, say anything to anybody, slander whatever you want to, make anything up, and there's no checks and balances. There's no accountability to it. It's just opinion. But how do you know the truth? And at Christmas, friends, Jesus came so you could know the truth. John 14 and 6, here's another one. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And you know, we have to decide whether that's true or not. This is the dividing line. Here's the the line in the sand. And you have to decide for yourself if that's true or if it's false. When Jesus says, I am the way, he didn't say, I am one way. He didn't say, I'm pointing to the way. He didn't say I'm a good way. He didn't even say I'm the best way. But he said I'm it. And he said I am the way. And that forces a decision on your part, all of our part. For either is who he said he is or he isn't and we might as well just pack up all the reefs and the decorations and call this thing the biggest hoax ever perpetrated on the planet. Christmas. Jesus said, I'm the way, and I'm the only way, and he said, I'm the truth. And not part of the truth, not some of the truth, not partial truth, but he says, I embody the truth. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And when you come to Jesus, he tells you the truth. When you read the Bible, you notice it's filled with stories that normal people, they wouldn't put that in their novel. Think of it. It's filled with stories of incest and rape and 
debauchery and treachery, I mean war and greed and violence and deceit and all kinds of things, and it's in there. And Why is it in there? Because it's going to tell you the truth. And you read biographies today that are written by all kinds of popular people, and they just gloss over things. They just ignore the weaknesses, and they praise the finer things in life, and you want to make it feel good. But the Bible always tells the truth, right down to the gory details. It tells you the way it is. And it tells you the truth about your sight, yourself, your life, good and evil. It tells you about how to be a success in life what will make yourself a failure. And there's a great benefit, is there not, of your life being based on the truth. Jesus said it like this in John 8, 32. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Freedom doesn't come from the government. Freedom doesn't come from doing whatever in the world you want to do. But freedom comes from living your life based on the truth. And the good news is, is that truth makes you free, but the bad news is the first thing it does is it makes you miserable when you hear the truth. You're like, oh no, I wish I could have done it this way and lived my life this way. But the Bible tells you, because we don't want to hear the truth, we want to hide the truth, we like to ignore the truth, pretend the truth doesn't exist. But the Bible says, when you know the truth, it will set you free. And it's kind of like turning on a flashlight. Now, somebody here told me last year, you know, I was just in the dark all last year. They said it was just kind of like a fog. I lost my job. I, I was laid off. Couldn't see my way forward. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't even know if I had a future. And it was just like being in the dark. And a few weeks ago, they said, now I can see a glimmer of light. Isn't it much easier when you're walking down your hallway at your home, if you got just a little night light to help you maneuver, not trip over anything? It's a whole lot easier. And you don't need a big spotlight. You just need a glimmer of light. But if you can see a little light at the end of the hallway, it just makes your journey easier. And you know that's what Jesus came to do, to point us to the way, to show us the light. But not only is Christmas about God revealing himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ and relating his word to us, but third, let me say to you, we celebrate Christmas as Christ came to reproduce God's life in you. Now, let's explain this by looking at John chapter 10. For Jesus said here, I have come that you might have life and that you will have it to the fullest. So Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Notice in that verse there in John 10 what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, I'm coming to make you a very religious person. He didn't say, I'm coming with a whole list of rules, a laundry list of restrictions to make your life miserable. But he says, I'm coming that you might have life, that you might have new life, a joyful life, a hopeful life, abundant life, eternal life. And what does that mean? What does that imply? It implies, and until we know him, we're not really living. And that's true because most people really never live. They just kind of exist. And think about it. So much of our day is simply routine. We get up in the morning. We turn the coffee pot on. We have a bowl of cereal. We go to work. We come home at the end of the day. We watch a little TV and go to bed. And we get up the next day and we do it all over again. 
We turn the coffee pot on. We get our bowl of cereal. We go to work. We come home. We watch a little TV. Go to bed, and it repeats. And maybe on the weekend, I can have just a moment to mow my lawn or to head to Kroger's to stock up again. And many people are living like a treadmill kind of existence. Most people, frankly, are just getting by, and they're living a life that has really no meaning and purpose. They don't understand the direction in life. They're adrift. And you say, what are we going to do next year? And the same thing I did this last year. Ta-da! Most people don't live today because they regret the past, they worry about the future, and so they waste today. And in fact, they crucify themselves between the twin thieves of yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worry. But Jesus said, I came to change all that and to give you life, real life. It's the best news. It's the most tremendous, exhilarating news that we've ever been given. Now, Jesus used this word life repeatedly. In fact, more than 200 times we find in the New Testament, over and over and over and over again, I am the life. I come to bring you life. I give you life. I'm providing an abundant life. I'm giving you eternal life. That word life is used repeatedly. It's a life of purpose. It's a life of peace. It's a life of hope, a life of power. And that's the kind of life that God wants to give you. And it all started some 2,000 years ago at Christmas. Now, I was reading some time back, and I think this was down at the University of Florida. They were coming up, their scientists down there, or medical people, with some crazy contraption, some new dialysis machine. And it was something like they were trying to take some of the chemical properties that engender, kind of incite schizophrenia out of your bloodstream in the hope that it would improve and it would kind of remove the chemical imbalance, new technology. But I'm thinking about this thing, wouldn't it be great if we had a machine like that that could just wipe out all the negative emotions out of our lives? All of those things that really cause us to stay up at night, the worry, the shame, if there's just a way we could eliminate that, hook you up to some type of system and just in this kind of like dialysis kind of system just wipe out all the negative emotions, wouldn't that be great if we could do that? Friends, we have it, and it's called Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you today here in this season of Advent to unwrap this incredible news that is gifted to you, to understand the kind of life that God wants you to have. For God sent his only son into this world to reveal what God is really like, to relate his word to you and to reproduce his life of love and hope and joy in you. You join me in a moment of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this opportunity today to ponder the incredible reasons, your divine rationale for sending your son Jesus into the world. Lord, make us so mindful of what you are doing in our lives, in our midst. And Lord, for the troubled here today, we pray for peace. For those who are adrift, living on a treadmill of existence kind of life, don't understand direction and don't know truth. 
May your Holy Spirit speak to their hearts and lives. May you rejuvenate spirits and transform souls today. And may we unwrap that joyous gift of your son Jesus this Christmas, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen.